Hey, Rum fans, and welcome back for another installment of the Rumcast. This is the podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. My name is John Gullah. With me is Will Hookinga, and we have a super cool and fun episode lined up for you today with Peppy Grant, tour manager at Hampton Estate, Howard McCullough, production manager at Hampton Estate, and Daniela Biondi, export manager for La Maison and Velier, all of whom to talk about the new Eight Marks collection that recently dropped. But before Will, we get to that because I know that a lot of people want to hear this about that. Well, I know including we got some... you, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was trying to find a way to better say it, but you know, uh, Will, you had to pull double duty on this one, and you know, it made me sad that I wasn't able to be there for it. But we I'm also kind of happy. Yeah, I, I also get to be a listener and, and listen to all the good content uh, for once as well. So I am excited to hear it as as much as anybody. Before we get to all that, we also had some feedback, Will, right, from our recent eighty proof rum bracket that we did and and we wanted to share well first of all one of the first emails we got was from sam who wrote the original question that prompted the episode as well and uh, he just added it's helpful for me to be more aware of rums that i'm more likely to encounter out in the wild in a nice hotel bar or something rums that i would have just skipped over based on my preconceived notions and Mm -hmm. i thought that really got to kind of the heart of the episode so just wanted to give sam another shout out for the great idea for the episode. But yeah, we got a couple, we got a few comments uh, on, on Patreon from some of our subscribers there. Uh, I, there was one omission pointed, I mean, there were many omissions, many, many things yeah. we could have included, John, that we didn't get to, which we acknowledged. Joseph wrote in with one that I thought was good, though. He said, I know you were trying to use rums you had that were 80 proof, but seriously, how do you not include Chairman's Reserve Forgotten Cask? And that's another example of one that I would have been really intrigued to see how that would have fared in the bracket, especially since we had another but completely different rum from the same distillery in Admiral Rodney on there. But yeah, that just goes to show how many 80-proof rums out there that are, you know, worthy of consideration, at least. There's so many we didn't get to, we probably need to do a second bracket at some point, as we alluded to on the previous episode. I I think so. And and the truth is, Joseph, I guess it was just forgotten. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was pretty good. No, uh, yeah, I I agree. I I think we need to do a second bracket at some point and maybe March. March feels like a good time for brackets, right, Will? bracket season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then we had Carl who wrote in. And, you know, John, you surprised me a little bit in that episode just because we we tend to focus on rums that we want to be very complimentary over Mm -hmm. that we're, you know, really digging at the time that we're really enjoying. And so, you know, when we do a sort of bracket like this, we open ourselves up to possibly encountering rums that we don't enjoy as much. And you had a pretty strong reaction to one (laughs) rum that if listeners have listened to that episode they probably remember but it's when we tried spoiler alert uh, santa teresa 1796 that rum just did not agree with mr john gullah in the moment and yeah. he had a pretty strong reaction carl wrote in and said i'm so glad someone agrees with me on the santa teresa so john you had someone who had a similar experience to you and um, so we had that comment from carl but i understand we got another response about that that was a little bit different we did. It, it, it's so weird. First, I'll say it's so weird because, you know, I've tried that rum a few other times and it's never given me that much of a visceral reaction of a negative type of thing. So, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's just about the moment. We've talked about this before, about yeah. how you try rums various times just to kind of get a feel for it. I knew it wasn't really usually my favorite, but yeah, that that experience was just awful. Well, we 
had Santa Teresa actually uh, reached out to us as well. So their their brand manager for the U.S. must have heard it and uh, reached out to us via Instagram. And so he was really nice about it. And you 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 when you do these type of things, you wonder, oh gosh, is this person going to be like really upset about it? And he said, look, he said he was honest. He said. Maybe you had a bad bottle, or maybe it was just a, an old bottle. Because well, actually, I think you it had was. Yeah, yeah, it was an old bottle. It was one. I mean, it had been open for at least a year. I want to say, and yeah. uh, it was. I'd had about you know an inch and a half left in the bottle for yeah. for the last year. So yeah, there's possible some ox uh, oxidization. Oxidation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Took place. Oxi- was that oxidization? Is I, that yeah. how you said it? <laughs> I think I did say that. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, John. Don't bully me. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you're, yes. What we were saying is, look, it, it could be possible it's from either a bad batch or an old bottle that is oxidized. Yes, uh, and Oxidization. Uh, that could be part of the experience. So you know they were nice enough, will to send out another bottle. Very nice. So you're going to you're going to give it a, a, a fresh experience. I don't think uh, you've gotten to I it am. yet, but it's on the agenda to to revisit. Right. We we can only promise Will to be honest. And yes. so I promised them, look, I will be honest. And but I'm also recognizing that, yeah, I would like to try it from a fresh bottle and we can see if that changes anything or changes the opinion. So, you know, look forward to that. And uh, we'll see when I get a chance to get around to that one. Yeah. I will update everyone on, on a future uh, how ep- it goes. A f- future episode. The update is coming. Um, no, but, yeah. you know, that that is cool. I, sometimes, you know, I've had conversations with other well, I, you know, I don't really consider us reviewers necessarily because we don't right. really do reviews in, in the traditional sense on these episodes. But I've talked to people who do more traditional, you know, written reviews, that mm-hmm. type of thing, who have gotten some nasty reactions from brands before. And so I think it's really cool when a brand can reach out and, you know, have a civil conversation about exactly. it and, and just, yeah. you know, be cool. And we try to be respectful. I, I certainly don't think on the show we go out of our way to just totally shit on stuff, you know, just right. for laughs and things like that. So, um, no, that was that was great to see, I think. So, I'm looking forward to your updated tasting experience, which, yeah, we'll, we'll have to get to that. Maybe, I don't know if we'll get to it before the end of the year, but but sometime pretty soon, because we do have our year in review episode coming up. Right. So, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe that's a good time to review it. It's the year in review. I, I think so. And, you know, <laughs> even better is I still have some of that sample uh, that you sent. Oh, left. so you could A-B so I them. Can, I can A-B right. them. I, I'm going to even do it blind and see what happens. This so. has to happen now. Okay. Yep. Well... With that out of the way, I am really excited for listeners to hear this episode and for you to hear it as well. This was a really cool thing that came together. And, you know, normally I can't think of too many times where there's been a product release of some mm-hmm. sort that has prompted us to do an episode just about yeah. the product release. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty rare thing because I think a lot of the time it doesn't, we, you know, we don't want to just seem like we're, uh, you know, promoting some some product. We don't want it to right. feel like an advertisement or, or anything. Um, and obviously we weren't paid for this episode or anything. But what happened was the 8 Marks collection came out and there was such a degree of collective enthusiasm from the rum community over this release. Yeah, and if you're wondering, yeah. if you're wondering what the hell the Eight Marks Collection is, I, I'm assuming most people listening to the Rumcast have heard of this. But if if you haven't yet, this is a product that Hampton Estate put. 
put out that contains 200 milliliter bottles of all eight of the marks of rum that they produce at Hampton Estate from OWH all the way to DOK. 200 milliliter bottles, unaged rum, 60% ABV. And there's a great kind of tasting sheet that tells you all about like the esters and the different rums and everything. So it's this kind of ultimate Hampton tasting experience. And when the release was first rumored, you know, maybe a year and a half ago or so, everyone was just like, oh, my God, like, this is so cool. I can't believe yeah. they're going to do this. And it was one of the rare things where the actual experience, once you get the product in person and go through it, is like as wowing as the concept was. So, like, once I bought, bought you know, an 8 Marks collection and went through it, I was just like, man... We, it would be so fun to just get, you know, I want to talk to someone, A, who was involved in actually conceiving of the idea to do this right. in the first place, because it's, mm -hmm. it's a very unconventional release. It it's is. the type of yeah. thing that rum nerds would be like, oh, we wish every distillery would do this. And then like, yeah, almost none of them do it because just the logistics and like how you do a release like this, it, it, like it's mm -hmm. not, it's not easy. It's really yeah. difficult. There's all kinds of obstacles. It's, it's kind of hard to market you know i don't know it's 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 not it's it a high concept right it's yeah a high concept yeah yeah it doesn't fit into kind of like a traditional box of right what stores sell so and i i'd have to imagine that it's really not a huge thing for profit margin either I'm, i don't yeah, know that's that what i'm guessing yeah but, i don't know that either but yeah I, yeah that's what i would assume and it's you know it's a limited release so it's not something right. they're gonna continue doing forever i would assume but but that's um, not the point with something like this, right? Yeah. And I'm assuming you got into some of this but in the interview, but that, yes. that's not the point. The point is you're able to take something from a legendary distillery and get rum nerds excited about it because you get to go through it in a way that you would never otherwise get to experience short of maybe visiting the distillery yourself, which right. not everybody can do. So it's just a really cool thing that this is actually happening. Yeah, and, and we talked about that a bit in the interview. And so... Like I was saying, there were kind of two perspectives we wanted in the interview. We wanted someone who was kind of on La Maison Avelier's side, who, you know, had a hand in developing the, the product, making those packages. Like, how did you decide on what bottle, like size bottles to use and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. But then we also wanted to bring people in from Hampton who are more involved in the actual production and, you know, even, even more so experts in that. Mm. And so we had Pepe Grant agree to do it. He is the tour manager, as you said, uh, does a lot of other stuff at Hampton as well. And one of the fun surprises of the interview was as we were talking, Pepe was in the lab at Hampton and Howard McCullough, the production manager, happened to be nearby, and Pepe grabbed him, pulled him in. And so we had a second voice from Hampton, who's there, you know, actually making the rum every day. They were actually, they were working on DOK at the time, that day at the distillery, wow. which we talked a little bit about. Cool. So um, it was a really fun interview, and I, I'd, I'd love to hear from listeners um, who have had a chance to go through the 8 Marks collection. You know, we talk a lot in the interview about you, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil all of it, but different ways to use the rums, combining them, ideas like that. So I'd love to hear from listeners out there. If, if you've had this release, what are fun things that you've done with it? How did you approach going through it as a tasting exercise? Have you tried blending any of the rums? Are you adding water? What, what, what are all the ways that you're experimenting with, the, with Hampton's eight marks now that you have them uh, in this form and are able to kind of play around with them? We'd love to hear ideas from everyone and, and maybe share some of those on a future episode. So 
with all that said, I think I've teased enough of the interview. I think it's time we should just uh, take a little break and go on and get to the interview. All right, I am here with Daniele Biondi, Export Manager for La Maison and Velier, and Pepe Grant, Tour Manager at Hamden Estate. And guys, I'd love to start by finding out a little bit about how each of you became involved with Hampton. I know kind of what prompted the interview was the release of the Eight Marks collection. And I um, yeah, I reached out to Kate Perry, who's been on the podcast before, and said, now that I've gotten to see this thing in person, like we don't normally just do interviews because a brand released a cool new product. But like once I saw this one in person, and it had been something that so many rum fans were looking forward to for so long, I was like, a, we need to talk to someone who was involved in like bringing this to life as a product. And B, we need to talk to someone who's at the distillery who can like go deep into the marks themselves and everything. So she recommended both of you guys. Uh, I'd, I'd met Pepe before meeting you for the first time, Daniele, but obviously I've heard a lot about you. So I'm super excited to talk to both of you. But Pepe, I, I wanted to start with you because you know, I introduced you as a tour manager at Hampton. But from what I understand, you do a lot more at the distillery beyond managing the tours, kind of involved in a little bit of everything. And you know, we were just talking before the interview. You've been there since I think you said 2011 now. So you've seen a lot of kind of this new chapter of Hampton since the Hussey family purchased the distillery. But I, I wanted to ask, like, what do you kind of find yourself doing at, on a typical week at Hampton? And, and how did you kind of end up there in the first place? So after the Hussey family, they bought Hampton in 2009. And during reconstruction, putting in new parts and stuff like that, they brought in a family, which is called Harris. And myself, so we basically came down to represent the family at Hamden because the family was based in Kingston. And like us, they knew nothing about rum okay. at all. But the benchmark of the family, which was Larry Hussey, he always wanted an estate. He grew up on a farm and he wanted to, to always wanted to get a farm. So when the estate came up for sale in 2009, they quickly jumped on it and brought us down, really, to just oversee the estate for them. Okay. So that that's what mainly got us in everything to do with Hampton. What was I, your first so, impression of Hampton when you when you walked in the first time? I would say that the future. Ah, okay. That's interesting because so much of the distillery is like preserving the past a little bit, you know, traditional methods and everything. But you thought about the future at first. Why is that? Think about it like this. Before the Huzzies took over, even locally, a lot of people did not know about Hampton. Mm -hmm. That's why, to me, the first thing that came to mind was the future. It's about bringing Hamden to the world as is, as it was in the past. The, the process of the rum is never going to change. So the future is bring old Hamden to I love how you're you're uh, talking to us from the lab at Hampton right now. You said they're filling lots of barrels today because you've got the new aging warehouses and those need to be filled up. And so if you're listening and you occasionally hear a little clunk in the background, that's literally that's the sounds of Hampton. That's the barrels rolling across over there. Um, Daniele, I wanted to, to, to bring you in. I, I know, you know, from what I read, I think 
you've obviously been involved with rum for a very long time, started in the bar world, I believe. You started working with Worspa around 2008, spending lots of time in the Caribbean then. And then you joined Velier in 2010, so which was right around the time Pepe was also joining Hampton. I, I, I'm interested in, in just kind of, you know, what was your first experience with, yeah. with Hampton? What, around when was that? And, and yeah, take us inside that time. Well, first of all, I also have bottles in the background. Ah, <laughs> they are, yeah. All kinds choose, of rum there. I choose the wrong, the wrong background, sorry. <laughs> Stick on the other side. <laughs> well, yeah, I started, you are well informed. You, I started in 2000 and in 2000, actually, or 1999 or 2000, like bartending in Italy and, you know, start turning the bottle and, and, and reading the back label, you know, and try to understand what RAM was because, you know, 20 years ago before when internet was a 56K, you remember? <laughs> I Kong, remember, yeah. It was impossible to find information. I remember when they released Dave Broom book, you know, RAM? Yep. And it was the first Bible huh, at that time. Uh, yeah, bartending. Then I started as a blogger. You know, podcasts were not existing, but I was a blogger. I was probably the first, or together with the Peter Holland, you maybe know the floating rum shack. I was. We've we've had Peter on the show before. Uh, the first blogger was only in Italian, so I had a good audience in Italy actually at that time. Considering yeah. that was not really existing, even if Italy was a, like a, a quite a pioneer in market for many reasons. Also, Valier was one of the, <laughs> the, the the reasons actually. Then a couple of years with Wirspa, you're right. So back and forth with Barbados. And then I started with Valerie in 2010. And actually I started managing all the portfolio of rums of Valerie. So both the imported brands, uh, consider that Valerie is also, I mean, it's very well known as a rum producer, as a bottler, you know, but also Valerie in Italy is a, it's a quite important, important distributor. So I remember with Brugal, with uh, Flor de Cagna, I managed uh, many brands. Yeah. Even bigger, bigger one, a lot of agricole rums. Uh, it's a wide range of styles of rum. Like 25 or 30 brands in distribution. Wow. And Hampton at that time for me was like an unknown, like through some independent bottlers, you know, because the brand was not existing. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had the chance to try some of the very old stuff, even if aged, you know, in the, in, in Europe. And was great. So, and, and nobody really known Hampton. I actually, my first two contacts was Cristel, the Miami Rum. Rum Congress. In 2012, I think. And so I saw Cristel and she said, I'm Hampton. I said, oh, I'm <laughs> in love actually with, with the brand, obviously. And, uh, and then when I have done a second wave with the Weir's Pass. So 2013 and 14, they re-asked me to do some, some tasting, some stuff in Italy. After one trip in Barbados, actually, they, they told me, do you want to visit Jamaica? And I said, like, like, yes. And, and actually I visited Hampton, but again, I didn't know Hampton as I know it now. Maybe Pepe was there, but I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know him. I didn't meet him. I was just there to, for like two, three hours. Uh, making a visit and I started understanding that this was, it was the future. I mean, I completely agree. I love that you said that, you know, sometimes the future is in the past. You know? mm. 
not only not only the future, as Paper said, that now we can spread, you know, this crazy heritage to the world, but also the future in terms of understanding which is which can be the direction the RAM could take together with many other projects we have with Belly, I don't know, like we can speak about Haiti or some others. The future is really in, in the past, you know, from many times, especially when you speak about... It's, it's connecting the two. Exactly, exactly. Connecting the two. And Hampton is the best example of doing, of doing that, you know. So I immediately felt in love with Hampton. I came back at that time, I, 20, again, 13 or 14. I was writing in Paris for Whiskey Magazine. And I wrote an article, a big uh, dossier on my trip to Jamaica that the title was like something like uh, God Save the Natural Beasts or something like this. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Love it. Uh, or yeah, something like this. And showing the picture first time and, you know, trying to talk about the distillery, talk about what I understood that was not, not easy at the first time. Even now it's not easy, but this is magical. I'm telling you. And when I came back to, to Genoa, to Luca, I started speaking about this. And actually the, the, the whole relationship between Hampton Estate and Vellier was just after, through Habitation Vellier first. Mm-hmm. And only a couple of years after, you know, you know, more and more relationship with with, uh, with the family, obviously, and, and then uh, everything happened in 2017 and 18 as a brand. So I want to talk about the Eight Marks collection, obviously, is, is one of the reasons we all gathered here together today. But it's interesting talking about kind of showing people the heritage of the distillery and connecting the past to the future, because I almost, you know, there's everyone kind of has that story of the the first thing they had from Hampton, the first, you know, everyone, like once you have that taste, that flavor of Hampton, you never forget it sort of. Yeah. And I feel right. like tasting the each mark at 60% ABV, no age, is one of like the, uh, I don't want to say the purest ways to be introduced to Hampton, because any way to get introduced is great, but it really kind of shows you the essence. You know, you were talking about God save the natural yeast. Like, this is one of the best ways I've found to really get a sense of what the unique flavors that that process imparts on the rum. And I remember maybe maybe it was a year ago, a year and a half ago, that people first started kind of hearing that this release was coming. And I know over here in the U.S., rum fans were very, very excited about it because this is kind of the exact kind of release that geeky rum fans have, you know, begged for. Oh, like if we could just have every mark, you know, no unaged, high proof, and just compare each one, it would be so cool. I I wanted it. At the same time, it's a very unconventional release. I've never seen uh, a distillery put out something as extensive like this. So I wanted to just ask you guys, when and how did kind of the initial idea for this release come about? Like, take take us kind of into the, the making of it, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this was more our side, you know. Uh, but let's say that the idea of doing stuff like this is an idea that Obviously, as you can easily imagine, come from the, you know, the passion. Come from one of those nights you don't you don't sleep and say, why don't we, like, compare the old the, the eight marks? No, this will be something like crazy and oh, never gonna happen, never gonna happen. No? And right. then you know, you start sharing in the office and consider that a couple of years ago, 
three years ago. I mean, we know very well the, the, I mean, we are still learning, but let's say we know pretty well the history of the Marx, the history of Jamaica, the old, all the heritage, not only Jamaica, also Guyana. It's not only in Jamaica that, that the, the trade of the bulk of rum was part of the history of these countries and Jamaica is first. And so, uh, it's normal since we are all passionate guys, it's normal to try to go deeper and deeper and deeper and to learn. I think the idea has been built doing tastings and tastings and the curiosity behind, let's say we were curious as first, you know, trying all the different liquids, all the samples that, that Hampton sent us, you know, mm-hmm. and to do tastings, even to go to, to try to study about that. And then I think a, the crazy idea to put them all together was one year and a half ago. Okay. Wow. It came together pretty fast then. Or yeah, one year and a half ago, I think. And then personally last year was just, you know, still a little bit of coronavirus. So I was in Italy and not in Paris that time. In Italy means in Valier. And in Valier, you know, all the bottles are open. It's very easy (laughs) to... To study, let's say, to learn. To study, and, right. Yeah, just studying. Yeah, exactly. One also last year and two years ago, Luca started, you know, making chemical analysis of a lot of rams just to be curious, interacting with the laboratory, they're more of trend, trend and trend, more and more, and uh, trying to understand, you know, the, the, the chemistry behind. And so, let's say, getting crazy. Uh, behind this liquid, try to understand, you know, the difference and what the difference that make the difference, let's say. So from the, the chemical analysis on one side and from the nose on the other side and trying to uh, get information from, from Hampton state, because mm-hmm. this is the, <laughs> the, the source of information. And so we started building that, let's say one year ago, yeah, in July, August, uh, September last year. Yeah. Well, and, and Pepe, since you've been there since um, 2011, you said you've basically seen, you know, one of the first things you said was people don't know about Hampton. And since then, you've seen you've been there for every product the distillery has released now, you know, rum fire to the first um, age bottlings to the overproof to HLCF classic to great house releases. Um, when Velier came with this idea of we want to release all eight marks in one package in eight separate bottles. What was your first reaction to that? Is it does it sound like a crazy idea? Are you excited? Like how does that go? For me, it was long overdue. I'd ah. say. So you have to understand why I said that. When we have groups like Bandler, Yoka, and everyone, we are coming inside of this and I'm lining up on the marks and we are tasted every time. Right. So for us, it's something that we've been doing a long time. Mm. Tasting all the marks. Each time they come, go ahead and taste the marks. All right. And, and especially if they're bringing new people, they're introducing it to them as well, right? Inside here in the lab. So right. I would say that the expression from everyone, just seeing that tasting it as is so similar to this, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. So we'll go and we'll have the 750 bottles and we're just going and we're tasting. So when they decided to do that, to come out with the eight marks, I was excited. And again, we haven't touched what Hamden is keeping. Wow. 
there's so much more to come from app and there's so much more that we can do. So there's no idea as a crazy idea. Well, I, I think that that's so interesting because, yeah, I was mentioning before the interview, I haven't had the chance to come down to Hampton yet, but I've heard so many great things about being able to visit. And the way you're describing it just then, it, it almost sounds like if you can't make it to Hampton in, per- in person, you know, having an experience with these eight marks like this is like maybe the closest you can get <laughs> to, to being there in the lab and, and tasting through. Daniele, I wanted to ask you, it's one thing to have the idea of, okay, let's let's release all eight marks. But then there's probably millions of different ways you could go about doing that in terms of the size of bottles, what the package looks like. And I'm sure there are lots of hurdles to get through along the way to bringing a product like that to life. So what, what were kind of the, the biggest challenges in putting the release together from a packaging bottling standpoint? Were, were there any tough decisions you had to make along the way? What did that look like? Let me start answering with something that people said. Um, it was normal for us to do it because actually when you, you have not to consider Hampton as a normal brand, let me say. And so normal brands don't do coffee, black stuff with eight, you know, bottles inside. It's, yep. it's against any industrial plan, you know, a bottling plan, timings, plan, crazy costs and logistics <laughs> and everything. But Hampton and also the, the the European side of Hampton, which is us, you know, <laughs> we never really build Hampton as a proper brand, let me say, because Hampton, what represents Hampton is like uh, the heritage, you know, the, the history of R- Jamaica rum, the history of rum in, in general, okay? Hampton is, let's say, the, the, the only or one of the few, I, I would like, on theory, let's say, that really does something that is completely disappear and represents something that is part of the, the past of the culture of France. So we don't think as, a, as from the marketing point of view, we just think that we have to make this story like available because it's unbelievable, you know, available for the rum lovers. And we try to do everything to make it easy as best. Then, you know, the, the result to answer you was I cannot release 70 CL by eight because then he's big like this and it's crazy. <laughs> so we yeah. said 20 is more than enough. They are 60%. And then he's a geeky tool. He's not, they, we don't pretend them to drink uh, this bottle, but just to, you know, to smell, to understand the difference and to play with them. And I, I normally when I do tastings, I always say to my guest that if somebody from Jamaica, now, now Pepe told me it's not true, but if somebody from Jamaica come in this room now and see all these people, maybe from UK, from Belgium, from France, from Italy, you know, tasting DOK, tasting uh, HGML, they think we are crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's normal. Normally, uh, it's not a consumption of these liquids, no? It's yeah. more like exercise to learn about. So again, that's why we did 20 CL. I love also the design. It was, was fun because the other guy in the marketing here did the black box and the golden stuff. And I was, in the same days, I was doing a, like a sort of a puzzle and the PowerPoint was exactly black and gold. So when I saw the packaging, I said, I mean, we are in this exactly the same direction. It's meant to be. And so was approved in one minute, basically. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then, you know, most of the problem are our bottler <laughs> that go crazy to, to put all the, the, all this butter because we, we didn't do a small quantity. We did enough quantity to satisfy all the market, make all the markets understanding, including US, yeah. multiplied by eight and put everything in the box. So our bottler got crazy, to be honest. I don't, I don't forward uh, your easy uh, <laughs> mails. Don't worry. Yeah. But this is the reason also we actually in the March or April, talking about Europe, uh, we released the first half of the production. Mm -hmm. Now we have a second half of the production because actually we had to, to split into, because it was extremely long for, for, for them. And again, the, the, the other idea was to include this flyer inside. Right. And the flyer was really, I, I just realized, let's say, and this was again, September last year, August, September, that, uh, it could be like a mistake to release something like this with no information. Right. Okay. So at least on internet with a QR code or this was even a better idea, honestly, to include something. Uh, to make people really understand, because if not, <laughs> I mean, you can check online or some information, but it's very, very difficult. And, uh, and so, I mean, I took the occasion to write on one side, you know, historical information and on mm -hmm. the other side, these crazy infographics, thanks to, thanks to Pepe, thanks to Ken Roy, thanks to the team. Yeah, we could actually earlier in the interview, I don't know if the background noise will make it in, but we could hear the cr uh, chromatography machine in, in the background in the lab. So, yeah, it's I mean, my experience going through the tasting and everything, having that information is is really cool just to being able to see kind of the difference in esters between the marks and everything. Pepe, I wanted to ask you because you've had so many experiences of guiding people through tasting these marks. One of the topics that has come up in conversation when I've talked to other rum fans out there who have bought the eight marks collection, everyone has kind of the similar reaction of being so excited and then they get it and they open it and they're just kind of like, okay, what's the best way to go through all these, you know, like they don't want to mess up the experience sort of. So is it as simple as just saying, get out eight glasses and just line it up and go through one by one? Should you spend more time with each mark? Are there certain ones you should do side by side? Like what is, what's the ideal way? Or am I just overcomplicating it? Simplicity is the hardest thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I say it depends on the person, right? How experienced the person is. For me, when I'm doing a tasting, if I know the person is new to rum, what I would do is I would start from the lower ester and then build up. But if the person is experienced, close your eyes and choose and you can't go wrong. <laughs> Just jump right in with the DOK first. Well, I right? Because the only difficulty you would find is the length of time you will spend on it. It, it is so complex that you can spend five minutes, you can spend 10 minutes, you can dip between the lower esters and come back and, mm -hmm. and you're, wow, you know? So let's close your eyes. Again, the, the only thing is for beginners, I would say start with the lower esters. An another thing, I've tasted through the whole thing one time and 
going back to what you were saying about the size of the bottles, Daniele, I, I really do think it's kind of that perfect size because it gives you the amount to be able to experiment and try different things. I think now that I'm going through again, I started adding a, just a little bit of water to each one just to see how that changes things. Because when you do that, it, it really does. I mean, you, you, you taste completely different flavors sometimes. So it's, it's just a lot of fun to, uh, to go through. And I think, I think the next step, I haven't done this yet, but I do think I kind of want to try my hand at, at blending some of the various marks together um, and, and seeing, seeing what I can come up with. But I wanted to ask both of you, since you know, I imagine you've both had more time for experimenting with the various marks of Hampton, are there any particular combinations of marks that you think work exceptionally well together? Are there any ideas you can throw out there to give people at home to, to try mixing up on their own? You started. <laughs> All right. So as you stated, adding a little bit of water changes. Right. So you can start from there before you start adding other stuff to it. Right. For me, it's a little bit, or I should say it's a lot different because I'm in this night and day. Yeah. So from going neat to adding water, and believe it or not, it's going to be different in a room with AC than outside as well. So. Yeah. You have to try it with like that, right? But again, just close your eyes and you're going to be amazed. Um, generally, I started from trying to blend the higher esters or the middle esters with the low esters, right? And then again, making my way up to mm -hmm. the ester. You're going to the complexity of higher esters, like the DOK, I think usually is a lot better with the lower ester levels, like with the OWH, right? Or the LFC, so the hell rock come up. Generally, I wouldn't do the, the, the high ester with HTML or diamond H right. because it's still so complex that you will get lost unless you have the tie. You have the tie and depending also on the companions you have with. Sure. You're with a lot of geeks, snapper figure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no uh, wrong combination if the crowd is nerdy enough. Yeah, it, it just fills your eyes and go at it, you know. But again, if you have people especially aren't used to high ester runs, you have to give them from baby steps. Right. It's almost like put put some of the DOK in like a dropper bottle and hand them a glass of OWH and see what a couple of drops of DOK does to it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. In uh, first of all, let me say that I not not very often I blend them, but when I was enjoying, you know, myself, because actually one of the purpose is really to understand that the eight formulas meet, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's also because in the past world, they were more blended after aging, let's say. But anyway, I agree with the Pepe that uh, the balance is the key. So if you blend a very high ester with a very low ester, this is, this is the key. Or maybe, as for example, in uh, one of the last great houses, two similar. So number three, number four, for example. Okay. On the contrary, if you blend exactly as, as people said, I mean, too very high. I mean, you don't, you don't understand anything, let's say, of the first and on the, on the second. Another blend I will invite you to do 
is with water. So take the same amount of water and put some drop of uh, the, the first, the second, tuck, 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 like this. Mm -hmm. This is also interesting because with the water, they evolve uh, in a very interesting way. And uh, I did it also with neutral spirit. Ah, interesting. With eight, with neutral spirit to understand the evolution, you know, which was also one of the most popular, you know, way to blend the, the eight marks at that time. Right. With, with neutral stuff. Like in Germany, huh? At this point in the interview, we were lucky enough to be joined by Howard McCullough, production manager at Hampton, who sat down with us for the rest of the time we were together and offered some firsthand perspective throughout the conversation on how rum is made at Hampton. So here's Howard. He's in everything, and this is a production man. Exactly. Right. Somebody that should speak about this more than me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice to meet you, Howard. So what's what's on the schedule today at Hampton? What are you working on today? Um, being here is coming to an end. So we are focusing on filling up barriers. Okay. So, you know, 80 pounds here. So we're putting down rooms for 18 for 23. Uh, regular distillation is going on. We should make some. DOK is for some of our Europe customers. So DOK is on the agenda. Yes. That sounds and like a fun day at the distillery. Exactly. Once we're making a robot out. Speaking of which, you know, we're talking about all eight marks on, on this, the eight marks collection. Do you have a personal favorite mark at Hampton? I'm sure people ask you that all the time, but is there a Howard's favorite mark out there? No, I wouldn't say I'm a favorite On the marks, we appreciate that love. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Our, our, our here in Europe, everybody loves the high ester. So if next time next time you, you, you have an agenda OWH, still yeah. say that you have DOK in the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> they will love it. Parents, we are actually selling our OWH. <laughs> right. You know what I... What I had chance, you know, to discover doing doing this uh, stuff yeah. is that first of all, humans love numbers too much, <laughs> yeah. and so and so, you know, the highest, the best. No, yeah. and this is this is crazy. I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's like for the aging, you know, the oldest, the best, which is another nonsense. No, so that's why when we started doing these eight marks. We had one of the unexpected feedback that was people start loving, you know, DOK, 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 just because it's the highest. No? Yeah. Even if you know highest what, that is the highest of something. And so this is, was quite a bad effect that we had. And so now we created this monster. And now, I mean, <laughs> we are trying, we are trying to come oh, back. Yes. Guys, this is not the point. The point is, is like the balance, you know, the point is the, the, so, but you know, this is also doing my, my crazy, you know, infographics here. Honestly, I understood first of all, why rum fire, I don't know if it's for this reason, but rum fire is HLCF because mm -hmm. checking like the analysis, you see that L rock and HLCF are really complex, even if is not so high the number of esters, but it's not the point. They are complex because the combination of 
the aromatic esters is very complex. Yeah, when many go, different ones. Exactly. When you go to the, to the monsters, let's say Diamond H or DOK, they are extremely high, but less complex in some way, less diverse you know, in the, at least uh, the, the, the GC I made. So again, we don't have to speak about DOK necessarily. We have to understand the diversity. Of well, you know what's great about uh, DOK at this time of year? Christmas is coming and Jamaicans do a lot of baking and we do sorrel because uh, mainly drunk at Christmas time. So it's good to add to your batter when baking or after you have baked your cake to add the DOK because it's so flavorful. So if you are here and you are if you are at home, then now you tell me how are I'm going to bake a Christmas cake. Which one of the marks I would put butter would be a deal. Howard, I give you I give you an information you maybe don't know. In Italy, I mean in, in Italy and France, let's say here, Maison and Bellier, uh, we did the Christmas cake as well this year, which is not like beautiful one, but is a panettone, which is an Italian big stuff yeah. we have for Christmas every year, and we put the okay inside. And I mean, it has a kick that when you, when you, I mean, you have another Christmas uh, 2.0. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually, we have a, a, a group of listeners in Washington, D.C., and I think last year they made a cake and they used DOK in it, and so they called it their DO cake. And it was this big cake in the shape of an octopus that they made with DOK. And I didn't get to try it, but they said it was amazing. So I've heard this from three separate people now that DOK is the rum to use if you're going to be getting into baking. So I'm going to have to try that this 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 month as well with Christmas coming up. We don't Maybe. do eggnog in Jamaica for Christmas. It's not traditional, but for your personal experience, we have to try so. That, that would be a memorable eggnog with, with DOK in there. Um, I, I do like that that you brought up the lower ester marks because I, I agree with you guys that sometimes people get so caught up in the high highest possible ester count that our minds immediately associate that with best, which it is something really cool to be able to experience and kind of unparalleled in, in what it offers. But one of the kind of the delightful things to me in going through this was how much I feel like it increased my appreciation of even the lowest ester marks, OWH, LFCH, both of those, I, I was just really blown away at the balance of flavor in those and just how enjoyable and easy drinking they were, even at 60% ABV. And I, I did want to ask, I know, so Daniele, you started with Velier around 2010. Pepe, you come to Hampton 2011. Um, Howard, I'm, I'm not sure when you started at the distillery, but I know that those the two lowest ester marks were only added into production after the Hussey family acquired the distillery. And I wanted to ask a little bit about that decision and, and if, if any of you can talk to get, you know, have firsthand knowledge of kind of why that came about after, you know, so many decades and decades and decades of doing six marks, we ended up with eight marks. What kind of prompted the those two new lower ester marks? To, to come into the fold? So pretty much Hamden has had three private owners. First the Starlings, then it went to the Kelly Lawson family and the Parkinson's marriage. A few of the marks are named of past owners. 
on at present. Again, I mentioned about the patriarch of the, of, of the family, um, which is Larry Huzzy. LFCH and the OWA are of patriarch and his brother. So after sitting down and once you come to Hamden again, you'll see that we haven't touched the pickle of what I'm quite sure that we, if we decided to, we could do more marks because the range is just so phenomenal. Well, and I know kind of one of the key distinctions between those two early marks and the six uh, marks that come after is the first two, OWH and LFCH. And correct me if I'm fumbling any of these names. The letters get all jumbled up in my mind sometimes. The first two, they don't include any of the three ingredients beyond molasses and water, which are cane juice, vinegar, dunder, and muck. Uh, and, And the sheet inside the collection kind of goes in depth on on walking you through what some of those are. Um, but I think, you know, those three terms get thrown around a lot by rum enthusiasts. And I think there's often kind of some confusion as to what each one is actually made of. So I was hoping that that y'all could kind of walk us through, you know, cane juice, vinegar, dunder, muck, how are they kind of made? And what is the role that each one plays in in fermentation? So cane juice, Vinegar are keyed acids, sulfurs, and spermin. It's basically sugar cane that is crushed. Those is extracted, and we have that eat so the acidity builds. So, you know, the main esters eat an acidity, mm-hmm. ethanol, and acetic acid. So, the cane vinegar, cane juice, just basically building the acetic acid level the longer it's finished. Okay. So that helps formation of the ethyl acid yes. The longer you have cane juice, the more the acetic acid level will concentration oh, will increase. And then you get use incorporated into our wash mix to help ester formation. Whereas we're we're storing sugar cane juice, right? As much as possible and as needed. So compared to sugarist right or sugar companies where they have a season to reap we are just making a rum right now we can read at any time and the formula is a little different than other companies so again we are just reaping sugar cane juice and putting it up for storage to build with acids yeah right so we reap and 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 and, and store based on these which is continuous. So the cane juice vinegar is almost, it's its kind of something that's made separately from the, the process of everything else, which is interesting because the, mala- the dunder and muck are things that kind of start with distillation and are sort of byproducts of that process. Is that correct? Somewhat. Somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> I, I gave the somewhat version. Ta- talk us through the, the 100% accurate version. Okay, so you know from fermentation you have what a term slops, the residue the residues inside of the vats. Yes. Yeah. By being some say body, but it contains microorganisms from the fermentation that occur. So that muck are slops very so we, we, we don't we don't yeah. throw it away. Yeah. So that, just like with our dunder, we don't yeah. throw our dunder away. Right. Everything is reused in the process. 
right? Which helps environmentally as well, right? So each 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 of our accepting and use and the everything else is a byproduct of the process. Once people come, especially to do a tour of Hamden, it's the first things that they'll see. They'll see each part of the process. It's nothing where hidden or anything. They'll actually get to walk and see it. Only thing is, we will use the Jamaican terminology by saying "donder" or by saying "muck," uh-huh. right? Seem like it's something that is it does it does seem very secret you know i think that's kind of the way people talk about it it's it's really built up as kind of this legendary thing just because i think what comes out of the process is so unique and interesting and tastes so different i think that's why people you know have that sort of mystique around it right and to me it goes back to the first owners, you think about the, the, the genius of these people, because our process is, it, it is unique to Hamden in where, again, reusing just about everything, right? And not building and not have uh, a waste, pretty much unique here. And it's, and it's at the end, it's what helps to make this wonderful product. I think in 2020, what, was that the year that Hampton added the two new pot stills, 2020? Around that time. Around then? Okay, I know it's a process to, to get those in and get them up and running and everything. Do those new stills, I, I guess the best way to ask this is, can you use any still at Hampton to use any mark? Does it matter which still you use? Or are there certain stills where it's like, this mark must go through these stills? Do you notice any difference if a mark is distilled in one still versus another one? We we have a bando. I think it's from 1994. Yes. We call it number seven. Their first was here said there's a distinction. Ah, okay. The distinction between that and the four sides. The and I will think it's because of the design. So I have back down and interviewed some workers who used to be here. And it basically comes down to some workers. Some workers like to use a particular pot still, you know. Generally, we go across the line with all pot still. Once it's available, because we're running three shifts. Mm-hmm. So we're always, we haven't really had the time yet to say we're going to make a particular mark uh, only in this part still. We would love to, but we have not had the time to do that yet, right? Environments are great. And extremely <laughs> great, right? So generally, even time to to to, to maintain and start, we're, we're always squeezing that as much as possible. Right. Try to on the fly. So... Hopefully, sometime in the future, we'll be able to say, okay, we're going to do a certain mark in a certain box, and so forth. Then again, because the requirement is so great, and currently we have six spot stills, five of them are up and running. Our oldest spot still, which is a John Doerr, we, we need to get the time to put that, to repair that and put it back so it can go into production. But with our older stills, we repairs on them on the fly. We don't have the time to allocate a certain part still to a certain mark. Mm-hmm. Not right now. But you know, you know, Will, what I what I wanna add, and it's exactly what I what also surprised me when I made this research, that it's all about the fermentation. Yeah, it's right. all about the blending the, the different raw materials. 
and how you ferment this blend of raw materials. So distillation is not so important in Hampden or let's say in Jamaica or well, let's say in Trelawney, it's not so important because it's like how you blend the raw material and how you ferment. And for example, when I produce this, this crazy stuff, uh, I send email to Crystal. So, hi, Crystal, may I bother your team, you know, <laughs> because I need <laughs> to understand myself. So I spent last year trying to go into the chemistry. You know, I, I'm not a chemical engineer as a, this gentleman. And so I had to learn myself instead because the, the risk was to write bullshit, let me say. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, of the day, the best stuff was also, again, to learn myself was to ask the blend of the materials and the fermentation time, the, the alcoholic, the dead wash and everything. And they were so kind actually to fill this kind of Excel that I, actually, I left exactly what, as it is. So every uh -huh. mark with the raw materials and, you know, the quantity, and then here, the days of uh, live wash and dead wash. And dead what wash. is fun, what is fun is the last tab that all eight marks, they are produced exactly in the same way. And I, when I read, you know, that tab, I said, oh shit, they are distilled in the same way. Yeah, yeah. It's station, despite, you know, what we can think about, you know, spirits in general. It's all about the fermentation. This is what makes me, what made me so happy because, you know, it's completely changed the perspective rather than most of the narration of rum, which is always, first of all, on the aging, but forget that. But it is <laughs> on, the, it's on the distillation, but it's not, you know, especially when you speak about Trilon. So this is the key. And it's difficult to understand, okay, because to be honest, the, the, the target I speak with, they don't really understand distillation. Can you imagine the fermentation? You know? and, and even me, to be honest, I, as I told you, I had to study myself to, to speak about that. But it's much more fascinating, you know, because when you go deeper, you realize immediately that especially with wild fermentation, like at Hampton, you, it's not really about you and about, you know, Howard and about Ken Roy and about the team. It's about the nature and it's not a matter of secret. Because sometimes no. it, it sounds like we want to keep the secret. No, it's not that we want to keep the secret. It's that the nature has a kind of dynamic that is not so easy, always, you know, easy to understand, easy to classify. Mm -hmm. And the variables are not always the same. Many people say, why? And so how you reach the consistency? Well, the nature is never consistent. And this is the magic of the nature. No? So at the end of the day, the, the, the magic of Hampton is really that the, inter, the human intervention is half of the stuff, okay? The rest is, uh, is in the nature. The rest is in, back in time. And this is, this is the magic. And also, speaking about the raw material, no? as, as you were doing before. Yeah. Consider that the, the difference, you know, the, the dichotomy, let me say, molasses rams and juice rams, is something of the 2020s or 20, yeah. I, mean, I don't know, decades when, you know, rum became uh, an industry on in both sides, let's say. But long time ago, 
was obvious to use all the derivatives of the sugar cane because right. it was also a different economical mindset. No, you you reuse the stuff because you have to, let me say. And this led to the complexity. You know, if we jump back, I don't know, 1890s or I don't know, let's say 130 years, like back in the future, at the end, many rams, not only in Triloni, were using different raw materials, blending raw materials, doing different formulas, different marks and stuff. It's today that the world became more consistent, more industrial, more is is the distribution that need this consistency. You know, it's not the distillery that right. we need. No, no, I think that's great, and that's that's kind of been um, a recurring theme on the podcast. As we talk to more and more distilleries that I think are trying to incorporate older elements of production, and one of those being not always strictly using molasses or always strictly using cane juice, but seeing how you can take multiple raw materials from that come in some way from sugarcane and bringing those together. Uh, and I think that's super exciting because that just opens up the possibilities for what rum can be even more. And like you guys were saying uh, earlier in the interview, it's connecting the future why? That's why. with the past, right? It, that's why exactly, as Paper said, the future is in the past. And this is the point. I'm very happy and proud to, you know, to make this work with, with the Hamplin Estate because it has been very inspiring for the rest of the world only in five years that the brand is existing because yeah. actually for 2018, you know, Hampton was like a myth for, our, for the, the, the small community of uh, you and me, you know, yeah. not, but we are not normal people, as you can imagine. <laughs> so, you know, two weeks ago, I was in Manila in the Philippines, okay, to make a tasting of Hampton. And actually the day after, uh, the guys... The, my new distributor is another rum, not normal guy. I love him. And he brought me in a distillery that is like three hours driving on the north. And the guy is a sugar factory and distiller with column steel. I mean, with uh, 24 hours fermentation, like more, let's say, conventional. Mm -hmm. And he told me, come here. And we went in the back and he just bought a pot still. And he was making, you know, experiments with the dander. Yeah. And asking me, because just because I asking me, can you imagine, you know, asking me how he's going with Dando? What do you think about this? Said, Man, I, no, I mean, I give you paper's number if you want. And, yeah. uh, but it's, it's to say that actually, you know, the whole world is falling in love with the Hamplin because of the, the, the story behind, but because of the flavors. You know? People want the flavor. People yeah. want the, I mean, people want back the flavor of the raw material, the flavor of a tomato and not the, the, the supermarket tomato. You know what right. I mean? It, it's the whole world that want to go from the raw material to the table, farm to table, farm to glass. You know, this is a trend that is not in the future. It was like very normal a couple of generations ago or mm -hmm. just one generation ago. And so, so we just forgot it. And now we are excited for something new. That is something that they are doing from 270 years. And, yeah. And, you know, that's it. No, that's, that's an interesting note about other parts of the world, you know, now 
doing things with with Dunder, with um, their own versions of Muck and things like that. And I wanted to ask you guys, because uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Habitation Velier released a rum from, from Foursquare in Barbados that was yep. initially labeled High Ester. Richard Seal then eventually wanted to change it to LFT, which was short for long fermentation type. And he, he wrote out this big explanation for it. And there was a quote from there I wanted to read where he said, High ester rum is Jamaica terminology. I do not like using it. While it is true that most of the islands produced what we would consider high ester, it is really Jamaica that has kept it alive, made it famous, and codified it. They own it. So... What what do you think? Because now I see I see high ester rum, you know, coming from places I've seen places in the U.S. describing their rum as high ester. I've seen Australia making high ester rum. I've seen the U.K. making high ester rum. Um, well, what do you what you do you know, th- what do you think about distilleries outside of Jamaica kind of using the term? And I, Richard, I guess Richard knows rums and loves rums too much <laughs> to write, you know, marketing stuff that yeah. are not. Part of the, the the tradition and the heritage, no? I mean, this is normal. Again, it's the matter of the the number, as we said before, no? Highest ester, high ester, everybody love it. Uh, it's not the terminology of Barbados, and and actually he just, he decided not to to adopt it. Right, and it makes sense completely. Also, let's say that higher high ester is not two hundred or three hundred. Let's say that high ester is start to be seven or eight. Up. Right, right. And so Richard cannot reach that because Richard doesn't have, you know, the, the mock pit and, and the other stuff to reach that. But trust me, Richard doesn't care to reach that level because he is a producer that loves the balance as should be, you know, and uh, he loves the final product. He loves that people enjoy the final product. And so he loves the balance and he was happy to be convinced with the <laughs> look, uh, a little bit of pressure <laughs> right. to try to do something, you know, higher, not because we love that. We it's not that we we want our partner or we ask our partners in in Habitation Belier, you know, to do higher esters. It's not necessary. It's just to play, you know. We love to to play with that. It's it's we are just curious again. We are curious more to to taste the next thing rather than to to put it in the bottle and marketing stuff. So Richard was very, you know, was available and, and happy to do this uh, uh, different process. He was already in the process of, you know, experimenting at that time. And so luckily we have the, this liquid. Then, you know, the definitions are are so subjective. You know, the liquid, the point is not how you define it. Then I I don't know, you know better than me, if in US or wherever, all over the world, there are people that want to do higher ester stuff and they call it high ester, but it's a simple definition to, to explain it. And, and I understand this. there is space for all the experiments and all the definitions. Uh, I, I tend to agree with what Dan is saying. Um, what did you like this? What What is considered right now high ester is just a middle range. When it comes to, uh, down to what Dan is saying, it's numbers. So at the end of the day, they, they can be both correct and then looking at it. As long as it, yeah. the end result is it's some really good stuff, you know, for now it's 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 interesting because you can play around with highest stuff and then 
it's opening your mind more and it's simply because of the complexity. But you have to think again, depending on where you are in the world, 300 is high. Yeah. You know, 500 is extra high, but those high ester means that it's going to be really good in front of what come, what's coming out of the bottom. Right? Exactly. That, that's the question. Yeah. Right. So you can, you, you might have places that will come out with high ester stuff, but is it how flavorable is how it tastes? Is it, you know, is it something that you're going to enjoy is something that you're going to say, hmm. uh, yeah. I'll high ester, like one toast, but a bowl. A thousand right. and yeah. above. Yeah. Yeah. That's simply yeah. because we live here. Yeah. Right, right. Night at night, going home, we're smelling this thing. We're <laughs> not, right? So it, it just, and then it ends. When we might have someone coming from Red you and high testers, that means 300. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And, and, and the paradox, the opposite, is that now, for example, in Europe, from my point of view, as Pepe was saying, is very relative, no? In a exactly. in Europe, that people for decades drank like a zero ester <laughs> because the <laughs> 90, 95%, let me say, of the market, not only in Europe, in US as well, the market of white rums and age rums is really, I don't know, 10 ester, 15 maximum. Yeah? Now they right. consider, now they considering this, the same people in, in, in when we do the tastings, they consider OWH like a low ester or LFCH a low ester, no? So it's it's really relative. What what we should call instead of saying high ester is to call the the the, the, the super highest marks rum concentrate, for example. Mm. That's what the original name. And I mean, this will change a little bit, you know, the perception of how we call them. If we start right. calling rum concentrate, people will really approach to these liquids as they should rather than a high ester because it's high ester. <laughs> Get your arms above your head. That's great. Um, speaking of high, high ester, Howard, you were just saying that high ester for you guys kind of starts around a thousand. And I know in the eight marks collection, when, when it gets to DOK, I believe there's a line in there that says something to the effect of the, the highest amount of esters legally allowed in Jamaica but I've heard rumors of even higher ester rum, even maybe all the way up around 3,000 being available at Hampton. And, and Pepe, earlier you were saying people still haven't seen everything there is to see with Hampton. So what can you tell us? Are, are, are there even higher ester marks out there that, that the public has not seen yet? Not for commercial. <laughs> not for commercial purposes. But the norm three toes currently, well, we have gone as high as seven toes. Seven? Yeah. What What do you do with a 7,000 ester rum? We fly Daniel. Grapefruit soda is perfect. Grapefruit soda. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little ting. It's perfect. Yeah. No. So, it, again, if you think about Jamaican rums, you have to go back in history. To know what was being done then mm. and what now, right? So in the 1800s, you had Jamaica had over 100 points of distance. In the 1800s, what you had, you had another 
Ospreys, which were the smaller distilleries compared to the eastern and, and southern distilleries. And basically what they did, they concentrated solely on high ester rums. Trelawney in particular, right? And again, that's simply because of the location, right? The raw materials here, it's just excellent for the type of rum that, again, in the 1800s, Hamden, especially with one of the companies that were selling in bulk. Remember, we started aging and bottling and it in. So we're fairly new when it comes on to doing finished products here. So bulk rum has always been our main business and still is today. So we are always been selling all what's called continental flavors. Yeah. Like right? Germany, made in turn, right, Germany, the Netherlands, and they in turn will then reserve the product. That's the bulk buyer. Initially, what you find was they were reselling the product as Jamaican rum, but it was blended depending on the country in whatever spirits is grown, is made there. Yeah. So the potato spirits, and it's called a rum brushnit. Germany, the German government at the time decided to put a tax on the German, on Jamaican rum. Coming into the 1900s, there were so much rums being produced that, and with many companies that was solely based on continental flavored rums, initially it started to, a good thing turned out to be a bad place mm. where I am selling you something, you in turn blend it with something else and call it a Jamaican rum. Right. When it's not in its original form. Right. Right. So you're you're basically watering down the product. It's gone down. That initially led to what we call a spirits pool. Right? A rum governing board. Yeah. During the ninety mid nineteen hundreds, so the nineteen thirty-four, nineteen thirty-five, spirits pool decided, you know what, we can't allow Jamaican rums to have a bad reputation. So the astronauts that companies like Hamden that used to didn't have a limit, right? We now have to put a cap to it. And it was during 19, between 1934 to 1953 that they um, came up with 1600 limits. In doing so, I am always thinking, man, can you imagine what it was like back then? Yeah. Regularly just making room and whatever answers you got, you could sell it. Right. That is the reason why I said that, again, Danny, talking about high ester. What really is high ester? Because if in the 1800s there wasn't a limit and distilleries that no longer exist right now, and God Hamden still do, it's just showing us what we can so that's how the limit came with Jamaican rums capped at 1600. There was an app that was created well, there that was passed, yes, it's by the spirit school. Yes, I think it's a rum enter. Rum, yes, it's yes. called a rum ether act. Okay, right? it's, yeah. it's that cap. It's called a rum ether act. Um, again, started between 1934 
but really came into in 1953. And so instead of saying rum esper, they say rum eve. English language back then. Right, right. They, the spirits pool and then the governor came up with that and put it in, signed it into law. But yeah, we, we, we here because we're spoiled. <laughs> right? No, we're very spoiled, right? We're used to seeing stuff that comes off above the limit. So we marvel in it every day. We get to wear it as cologne every day. Yeah, yeah. Right? Also, bear in mind that over 50% of what we sell in bulk is then resold to the confectionery industry. Yeah. So, and where you're at in the world is, is, is what you're getting a concentrated flavor and rum that you can dibble and dabble with, which comes right back to the eight marks point. Adding just a little bit of water mm-hmm. opens it up. How so much in percentage? Sorry, in confection. Over fifty percent of what we sell goes to what we sell to the middleman goes to the, the confectionery industry. So yeah. it was back to what we were talking about with the rum cakes, ice cream, your 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 Christmas pudding, your Christmas cakes. You know the octopus uh, octopus cake. The, right? Yeah, the, the do cake. Yeah, uh huh. Right. right, number five, you know. Yes, yes, colognes, perfumes, it just all the best in the world. You know, spiders in chocolates. So it was used as a blend in several different products. We go, we go a little bit beyond the rum when we start talking about these, these liquids. Right, but I, I mean, and again, because of the high astronauts, right, is what you get flavors. Yeah. So again, for Howard and I, when Daddy gets here, we can dab ourselves with this rum and smell good throughout the day. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we just, we just, we just like prefer to, to, to consume it instead of that with it. I, I think maybe you need to, you know, you, you're a lot of Hampton rum is going into things like cologne. I, I want there to be an actual Hampton estate brand cologne that we can get out there because that, that would be something you can just smell like Hampton all day. So it already exists. And you show Danny, 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 along with Vanier, gave you all the eight marks. So again, <laughs> right? But just try to boiler our marketing launch 2025. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking speaking of the eight marks, I know we, we've seen that there is a second edition of the eight marks collection coming soon with each mark, I believe, aged for one year. And so what I wanted to ask was, is that something that just came about as the first edition was coming out or did you, were you kind of always planning for an aged one to come down the line? When did that, when did that idea come about? After. After? Uh, no, after, because let's say that the, the, the heritage of Hampton is unaged formulas. Okay. So the first uh, box, you know, the black box, you know, is really the, the idea that came from the, the, the passion for the products, the curiosity. Uh, then we decided to go on. And so we decided to, to see the evolution in the, of the eight marks in the, in the wood. So that's why it's going to be probably February next year. I don't know, depend on, again, the bottler and the timing. So yeah, the idea is to see the evolution after one year. Then I don't know if we have even planned to go ahead in the aging. I don't think this is the point, you know, because then we have all the rams in the, but actually it was interesting to plan to do the same box with the, with one year aging. Yeah. Maybe 
play with words in the future. Let's see. Let's see. It, it sounds like we probably won't be getting every single year, a two year and then a three year and then a four year. Probably no, not, no, not in the future. No, no. no, I don't think so. I don't think so. We, we love a fir- first time stuff, you know, when yeah. you do things like that. So first time the talks, first time the aging, that doesn't make sense to to go ahead and to keep, you know, doing GC of everything. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, no, no, you do there, you do that because you are in the lab and you are a producer, obviously you have to. On the consumer side, I think we went geeky enough. Then let's see which is the next uh, step to do, but we don't have to lose also the the, the passion side, you know, we don't, the, how can you say, the fun side of, of the run. It was very interesting to go geeky, but let's keep it like this. As I said, one of the risks is, is that we take a direction that is not necessarily the, the right direction for the, for the consumers. No, yeah, I think that'll be a really cool comparison for people to be able to, you know, have them next to each other and see what just that, that one year of aging does to it. You have to decide what to write in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. How much do you keep from the first one and how much do you add, right? <laughs> well, the good news is you've done it once. So that, you know, you've, you've proven to yourself you can do it. So the second time, you, you can do it again. We've, we've seen you do it. We believe in you. Okay, well, I, you know, I don't want to keep you guys all morning. You've been very gracious with your time. But before we wrap up, is there anything about 8 Marks, Hampton itself, anything we didn't get to that you wanted people to know about? I have one stuff. As we said, don't chase the highest ester. Check the medium, check the low OWH and FCH first. In the crazy donuts graphics I've done, <laughs> uh, it's interesting to see the colors of all the esters, because I don't, I mean, we haven't, we haven't went deep on this, uh, but actually there is, there is one etyl acetate, you know, one ester that is like the, the yeah, enormous amount, 96, 98%. 90%. Yeah. Yeah. But all the, the, what makes the difference is also the, the remaining 2% are all the other aromatic esters together. And this is the combination that make every formula so, so different, mm-hmm. right? On each other, and uh, you will see that the low, the lower ones have much more. At least, again, of the analysis I've made, the more complex, the more diverse are even the lower, including, let's say, LROC and HLCF. That's why sometimes, especially in Europe, they also for because of the packaging of RAM fire that is different than the others. No? Just many realize that they think. Uh, is a different range that is not one of the eight marks. Is is something alien than right. the eight that are more perceived as a as a geeky something. And then you have Ram Fire that also with the with the fire label, you know, it's perceived in a different way. But it's not. Ram Fire is HLCF. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, is one of the eight marks, is the number four. And if you see this analysis, is one of is probably the most complex of all the eight ones in terms of aromatic diversity, let's say. And so, again, keep in mind that at the end of the tasting of the eight marks, you will come back basically to the rum fire. <laughs> <laughs> it all, all roads lead to rum fire, I think we can say, right? <laughs> all right, Pepe, Howard, any, anything to add before we wrap up? 
I think I, I agree with Danny. The lower the lower ester stuff is, is 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 they're really nice rums. That's the reason why they were they were developed in the first place. You know, it's just that it's not just something that we wanted to to do to add more marks. No, they're really really lovely. All very really smooth. The only thing I would say is, especially with when it comes on to hand them going into the technical stuff, higher the ester cones, the more you'll get that. Uh, harsh complexity in the mouth. So depending on how you're feeling, depending on who you're with is, 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 is how you start. Like, right. If Danny's here, we could jump from to, to any one of the marks. Right. But again, introducing someone fairly new or in you, back to the lower marks and you go up, especially with some of the ladies, you start with the lower stuff because it's, really so it's so smooth it's easier than 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 going up to the, to the higher yeah they were they were they were the rums to drink at that time you know yeah, right right so and, go ahead Danny. no no i was just saying that in the classification i mean it's easy to find the more information on, on the internet that you know the, the the rum concentrate was the the highest just for blending and then you know the the l rock and hlcf were really the rum to, to be drunk in jamaica time and not yeah, only but uh, jamaicans are so spoiled with, <laughs> with with getting the the whatever they could get their hands on you know is what you drink <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly exactly well so many good options to choose from yeah when, when you're in jamaica well thank you thank you all so much for for taking the time to to hang out and just take us really even deeper into all this stuff like i was saying it's it's such a cool experience for people to be able to have now to where they can go through all of these, you know, without having to go all the way to Hampton, which would be a, a treat in and of itself and hopefully something that every rum fan can experience at some point. But in the meantime, this is a great way to do it at home. But um, yeah, just thank you guys so much uh, again and really appreciate it. And, and, and visit, Hampton, visit Jamaica. Yes, visit Jamaica. We'll all go. We'll all go together sometime. And, and just continue to drink the good stuff. You know, continue to drink the good stuff. And we're looking. Out, we're looking forward to seeing you here, Will. And, I'm, and, and telling you, it's 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 going to be an experience in a, within of itself. Coming here and walking through, it's it, it will put you back into that beautiful box of that eight marks. <laughs> you will then put everything and see why they came up with it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to try my best to, to make it down there soon. And when I do, I'll definitely let you guys know. And and, and uh, uh, Daniela, I'll let you know, too. We can all meet up there and we can all get together at Hampton. And Anytime, bro. Anytime. Thank you. See you soon. Alright, thanks so much everyone for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. Thanks to Pepe, Howard, and Daniele for joining us again on the episode. And hey, as I said in the intro, we would love to hear how you're experimenting with any of these eight marks. If you're combining them, if you're even if you're throwing them in cocktails, we didn't talk about that as much, but let us know what you're doing with them, what you've discovered, what you've learned about the eight marks from this experience. It'd be great to geek out about that together and an easy way to do that is to send us an email host at rumcast.com that's h-o-s-t at rumcast.com or john they can find us on social media where can they do that 
Yeah, any of the social media platforms that we are on, Instagram, Facebook, and X. Uh, X. Uh, X. Just, just X, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we continue to throw shade at X slash Twitter uh, every I, time. But I, I have a running joke with some friends where we spell, spell it out as E-C-K-S. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it couldn't get much worse, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but we are still on there. We do post our episodes through there. So if that is your at preferred platform yeah. for social media, at the Rumcast on any of those platforms will work. And you can also uh, send us a direct message through there if that is uh, your favorite way to get in contact with someone. And we, we will definitely see those and answer those as well. So, yeah, get in touch with us. Let us know. This is super cool. I, I, I can't think of anything better except, Will, maybe a nine marks collection at some point Ooh. Uh, well you know we did talk about the aged eight marks collection that is coming out next yeah so, yeah nine, i mean nine marks is a possibility as you may have heard in the interview they're certainly capable of making more and yeah. they've i mean it used to be six marks uh right you know, before the hussy family acquired the distillery so yep. that kind of gave birth to owh and lfch so who knows what may be around the corner i don't know but in the meantime Absolutely. you can also find us at patreon we are publishing bonus episodes there we're doing online happy hours all kinds of fun stuff you can find us at patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the rumcast so come check it out you know it's a great yeah. way to uh, hang out support the show if you'd like to and uh, we always appreciate it but uh, you, know, you know what I was thinking of is like now at this point we've been doing Patreon bonus episodes for more than a year so like if you were to like sign on now like, there's a ton of content on there to go back for. yeah there is uh, yeah yeah we- we, we talk way too much, Will, the two of us. We just, we just got way too much to talk about. We do. Yeah, well, in the meantime, our next episode will be our year in review episode as we look back yes. on some of our favorite rums from Sipping 2023. Right Ooh. Spoiler alert. Oh, okay, I see kind of a yellowish blonde hue to that rum. So. Mm. Okay, all right. Mm. Anyway, John, that's, that's enough. We'll wrap this episode up and talk again soon. Cheers. Cheers.